welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Amen. Can I get another round of applause for Bryant High School? Right? Woo! This auditorium has been here for a lot of years. Someone here, this, I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody who is older than me said that they haven't been in this auditorium since they graduated. And I think it was probably 30 or 40 or maybe 50 years ago when that person graduated. But I wonder, in all the years of this auditorium, how long it's been since the name of Jesus was lifted high like it was just then. And think about the effect that that can have on our community and on this school. Um, Let's open up Matthew chapter 6 right now and read from God's Word. If you haven't been here uh, in the last few weeks, we're in a sermon series. That's a bunch of sermons that are linked together by one idea. And the idea, the name of the sermon series is called Portrait. The idea is that what Jesus is doing here in this sermon that he preaches, that we're going to read from, is he is actually displaying for us, he's showing us the portrait of a true disciple, a true follower of him. So just as you might stand in the Louvre in Paris, France, and look at the portrait of Mona Lisa, right? Anybody ever been there and done that? Nobody? You stand and look at that portrait and see all the different facets, the beauty, the ins and outs, the way that when you walk this way, her eyes follow you. (laughs) That's what Jesus is doing here. He's painting us a portrait, and he's saying, this is what a follower of Jesus is. And the beautiful thing about the way that God set up the gospel is that the idea is not for us. This is huge. We have to learn this. The idea is not that he painted this picture, and then he said to you, now you go try to become this. Work hard and try to do it. That is not what this gospel is. The gospel says, here's a portrait of who you are in Jesus. Now look to him and he will fashion you into this. You are this because of your faith in Jesus. So let's, with that frame of mind, let's look to our passage for the day. Pastor Danny did a great job on the bass just a minute ago. It's his first time ever playing bass in public. Yeah, a round of applause, Pastor Danny. He did a great job on the bass, but last week he did a great job uh, introducing this prayer to us. It's called the Lord's Prayer, or you may have heard the model prayer. Um, Our Father, who art in heaven, you can say it with me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Amen. Some might have finished, for thine is the glory, the power, forever and ever. Amen. That's in some translations and some not. It's okay. It's good. It's still God-centered. Go for it. That's the prayer we're talking about. Danny showed us how our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is about reorienting ourselves off of ourselves and looking to God. So instead of making about us, we're honoring him. And this week we turn to the next couple of verses. I'll read it to you, even though you just said it. Give us this day, starting in verse 11, our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, or some of you might say trespasses. Forgive us our debts, 
as we also have forgiven others, forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. I want to start with a question. What are we doing when we come to God in prayer? What are we doing? I mean, there's plenty of people, you know some, I'm sure, there's plenty of people who don't ever pray. So it would be fair of someone who doesn't pray to ask you, what are you doing when you pray? And if someone asked you that, I wonder what your answer would be. I wonder what mine would be. I had to think about it. I've had more time than you to think about. But what are you doing? Especially, what are we doing when we ask God for things like Jesus tells us to right here? You see, if you ever wondered, is it okay for me to ask for things from God? Jesus gave you the answer. He actually told you to do it. He said, this is how you pray. And he said, give us this day our daily bread. Right? He's teaching us how to ask for things. So one of the answers to the question I came up with this week is that when we go to God asking for things, what we are doing is we are verbally placing our trust in him. It's almost a declaration that I can't do it, right? I mean, if you could do everything you needed on your own, honest question right here, you can even answer out loud if you want. If you could do everything you needed on your own, would you ever have the need to pray? No. Why not? Because you've got everything you need. You're set. If I have everything I need, why would I need to pray? When we go to God in prayer, we are verbally making a declaration that we trust God. Sometimes, I understand, the prayer might be clothed in doubt, right? You might be going to God sometimes, wondering if he's ever going to listen to you, but you still do it. But there's an element there where you're going to him and you're saying to God, I trust you to give me my daily bread. God, provide for me what I need. If you could believe, if you believed you could do everything on your own, there would be no need for prayer. Now, when we say God has big plans for you, anybody see that on the way in this morning? It's written on the sign right outside. God has big plans for you. What do we mean? When we say that, what we're doing, the reason we have that phrase is because we are trying to remind you, I am trying to remind myself, we want to be reminded together that God has created you for his glory and he has things in store for your life. He has a plan for you, his will like Danny talked about last week. But discovering God's plan for you begins right here with prayer. We don't discover God's plan without prayer. I'm going to say that one more time, just in case you want to write that down. I need it written because I need every morning to remind myself of this. I cannot discover God's plan for my life without prayer. I understand that certain times, maybe God's going to do something huge and just, bam, hit you in the face with something in life. And you're going to go, wow, that was a word from God. I didn't even ask for that. But that is not the norm. 
right? That's outside of the normal everyday way that God works with us. He communicates with us through prayer. So I just want to talk about a few different things that we see here about asking God for things. What's it like to place our trust in him? And the first one is this. Depending on God starts with your prayer life. Depending on God starts with your prayer life. Like if, if I said to you, I'm not doing this. You don't have to expose yourself here. By a show of hands, maybe, you know, how many of you say you depend on God? We could actually do that. Yeah, go for it. How, how many of you say you depend on God? Raise your hand. And then if I said to you the same question, if you're bold, you can answer this one with a hand raise. How many of you would say, I feel like I pray enough or too much? Raise your hand. One hand. Why is this? You can put your hands down. Thank you for being honest. It's because, yeah, we believe that we depend on God. But it's this quote that I've said uh, at Queen's Church and, and over again at, at everywhere I preach. There's this quote that just strikes me every time I hear it. And it's, most of us feel exposed by the poverty of our prayer life. We say we depend on God, but then we really don't think we pray enough. We wish we would pray more. And I want us to see from Scripture this morning that depending on God, that thing we all want to do, it starts with our prayer life. The prayer life is the foundation of a, of a house built on God. It has to be the foundation. So I understand that some of us struggle with depending on God for our needs simply because we do not depend on him in prayer. Right? <clears throat> so I want to do a, a litmus test. How do you talk about your needs to others? Or this could be an internal conversation, right? Did anybody else see the link to the article going around this week on social media? Um, I was today years old when I found out not everyone has an internal dialogue running. Anybody else see that? Came across my feed a few times. I didn't read it. I I saved it. I want to read it. But I, I resonated with the title, I mean, I have an internal dialogue going on all the time, always kind of talking to myself, but apparently that's not everyone. But here, I want you to think, how do you talk about your needs, even if it's just your internal dialogue rolling away? Some of the things you might say out loud or in your head to others about your needs. I don't have enough. I need a better job. I need a job at all. My relationships are toxic. If I only had as much as that person, I'd be happy. I can't believe that person gets all of that and I get nothing. Any of those phrases or something like those ever come up in your head or maybe even in your conversation? Yeah, a lot of nods. So that, this is my point. The way that we talk about our needs tells us what we're depending on to provide them. So in other words, we are putting out there by faith, our, our words are speaking need, defeat, frustration, condescendence, envy. Hear that last one? You know the um, uh, difference between jealousy and envy are those last two statements. It's, very, it's a big topic, but really simply, if I only had as much as them, that's jealousy, right? But it turns to envy Jealousy is not a deadly sin described in the Bible, right? It's a sin. But there are those sins that really take us to the depths of our own toxicity, and envy is one of those. So if only I had as much as them, that's jealousy. Envy is this next one. I can't believe that person gets all that, and I don't. 
see where the direction is. This direction's based on them. You're envious of that person. You don't think they deserve it. You want it. These internal conversations, they go deep into us. How we talk about our needs points us in the direction we will go. In other words, if we're talking about our needs like this, chances are we are going to be walking in the desert for a long time. Because our mind is focused on what we don't have. And it's not doing it in a productive, healthy way. So uh, Jesus is teaching us here the productive, healthy way to talk about our needs. It's not that you just have to pretend like you don't need anything. You don't have to pretend like you have it all together. That is not the point of church. Please go away from Queen's Church today knowing that not anyone in this room feels like they have it all together, including me. We are all broken. That's why Jesus is our passion. If I thought I had it all together, Larry would be my passion. And serving myself would be my mission. It is because I have needs that Jesus is my passion. So Jesus teaches his followers here how we come to God with our needs. We have to reorient ourselves daily around the truth that God is our good father. And we are his children. And what does God teach us through his word about a good father and his children? He knows what you need before you even ask. But he wants you to ask. He wants you to ask because he desires a relationship with you. Depending on God starts with our prayer life. These are words of faith. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today. Those are words of faith, not words of emptiness like those other ones. I don't have what I need. That's empty. It leads us nowhere. It leads us to wander in the desert. God, give me the bread I need for today. Those are words of faith. You see the difference? The second one has weight. It's filled. It has value. It's a petition. It's a looking up to someone who you know has what you need and asking for it. The other one is is a complaint. It's empty. Has no worth. God knows what you need, and he knows your paycheck, and he knows your social life and the lack of it or the exuberance of it. He knows your everything. He knows where to place the things that you need. But he wants you to use your words to declare your faith in him. He wants you to say, I want it from you, God. I don't want a new job from my job search. I want a job from your job search. Because has anyone ever gotten a God, a, a job from the God job search? Anybody? That's one of those jobs that you didn't deserve or you weren't qualified for or you weren't even looking for, but you were praying for it. And God said, this is the job I have prepared for you. And you go, I could have never gotten that job on my own. That's because that's from God's job search, not monster.com. You can find everything you're qualified for on monster.com. That's cool. You can go and look for a job and you can probably get a job. But what God wants you to do is declare your faith in him. Lord, I want you to provide the job for me. And it is when we do that, depending on God with our prayers, that we see the plans, the big plans that God has for us start to come true. Um, So the first thing is that depending on God starts in your prayer life. But next we see that also this prayer right here 
teaches us the essence of forgiveness. Now, when I was writing this point, I was thinking this is a whole entire sermon in and of itself. So I'm going to try to handle this in a way that helps us digest it. This prayer teaches us the essence of forgiveness. Here's how I want you to view forgiveness now. Uh, Start with this. We just finished a two-part series called Carrying the Water. Everybody remember that series? If you didn't catch that series, it's basically the point of who we are at Queen's Church. Go, you can go to uh, qns.church slash listen, and you can check it out. It's just two sermons, Carry the Water. In that, we talked about how we are carrying the living water where? Anybody remember the two places? First, to ourselves, to our hearts, and next, to our neighbors. To our hearts, then to our neighbors. This carrying of the water begins with this prayer right here that Jesus tells us to do. The grace that Jesus has given to us for the forgiveness of our debts, which is mentioned there, we must give to others. Highlight that word must that I'm saying in your head. Must. We must give that grace to others. We do not have the option. You can't not give the forgiveness of God. It is a spring welling up in you unto eternal life. So, I think that too often we view forgiveness as a cup. You see, this cup is my cup. I mean, I know it says Queen's Church on it, but I've been drinking from it this morning. And if I handed it to Cindy, Cindy, do you love me, Cindy? Yes, we're friends, right? We, we are, we're brother and sister in Christ. If I give you this cup, I just said, take a drink. Would you do it? She said, maybe. Why would you hesitate, though? Because it's mine. Yeah, because we're just friends. Cindy's not my wife. She doesn't want to drink after me. She's not one of my children. She doesn't want to drink after me because this is, this is mine. And too often, we treat forgiveness like this. I am so glad that God saved me and he forgave me. He gives me everything I need. Look at this cup filled with forgiveness that God has given me. Look how good this forgiveness is on me. I'm a sinner. Did you know that I sin and I fall short of God's glory? But Jesus, he gave me forgiveness. And watch. When I am thirsty, it fills me up. It quenches my thirst. God gave me forgiveness. Aren't aren't you happy for me? Aren't you? They're like, no. Why not? Because that's not what forgiveness is. We think it is sometimes, but it's not. And what Jesus is saying here is a blasting warning that that, not only is that not forgiveness, but if you treat forgiveness like that, there's no forgiveness in that cup. What you're drinking is self-justification, or it's a way that you're cleansing yourself on your own and you're doing a good job, but it is not the forgiveness of the Lord. Why? Because the forgiveness of the Lord is a spring of water, not a glass or a cup filled with water. I can put a lid on this cup, and then it won't, nothing will come out. This lid has holes. I'm not going to pour it over, but you get the idea. I can put a lid on it, and I can save it for myself. Maybe even keeps it warm for me, because I, I want my water warm. It's actually coffee, but you get the idea. Forgiveness, though, you can't put a lid on it. That's what Jesus is saying here. Listen to these words in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then skip to 14, because this is so important that he wants to clarify it outside of the prayer. 
Outside of the prayer, he says, listen, if you forgive others their trespasses, then God will forgive you of yours. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Don't focus so much on the, what if I, what if I die having been wronged by someone and then I didn't forgive them? Does that mean that I'm not forgiven? We can talk about assurance of salvation at another time, but the short answer to that question is no. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying, he's trying to use an illustration to teach us about the essence of forgiveness. And the essence of forgiveness is that it is a spring welling up in you. And it must, it must go to other people. That water of grace must flow out of you and it must be tasted by the people downstream from you. Your family and friends, the people who live close to you. Your, yes, even your enemies have you ever seen a spring on the side of a mountain? Anyone ever seen one? Yeah, a few people. They're amazing, right? You're walking on rocks and dirt, and all of a sudden you see this stuff is wet, but it hasn't rained, and you follow the trail of water, and it's the side of a mountain, and there will be literally water. Trick. I've only seen trickling. I know there are some that gush, but I've seen some trickling ones. And the middle of the mountain, there's no river, there's no creek, there's no snowfall, it's just coming out. Now, if I put my hand over that spring, what would happen? It would slow down or stop, right? But for how long? How long can I keep it in? I may put a hand or put some rocks over it, and then what's that, what am I going to notice happens? It's going to bypass me, right? It'll be, what? Oh, it's over there. And then I'm going to put some there, and then I'll get Micah. Micah, go over there. And, oh, it's coming out. And then over there, we get ourselves in a pickle when we try to stop the forgiveness of God. It's like trying to stop a, a spring. This is what we feel like when we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts toward others. Have you ever been in that position? You have experienced the forgiveness of God, but someone wronged you. And for some reason, resentment or, 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 or anger or mistrust of that person, you've decided you're going to keep back God's forgiveness. You're not going to share it with them. But be careful because when you do that, you're going to end up trying to crisscross, stop a spring of water that you can't stop. And if what you have experienced is the true forgiveness of God, not just a glass of water you filled up on your own, you will not want to stop it. You will want to share that forgiveness with others. Because forgiveness is just like a cold spring. It's refreshing Oh, church, when we harbor unforgiveness against others, we are holding back refreshing from ourselves. Did you hear that? When we harbor unforgiveness toward others, we're doing a lot of things, but one of them is just stopping ourselves from being refreshed. Because Jesus says here, you're not, you're not getting the forgiveness thing when you're harboring it, unforgiveness against others. That's not how it works. It's not a cup. You can't put a lid on it. The essence of forgiveness is that it is a gift that cannot be held captive. You cannot wrap it back up. Forgiveness at its core is a spring of water. It's in you and it's overflowing to all around you. We, by the power of God, must learn to stop capping the spring. Amen? That's what he means. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. God, pour the forgiveness into me and then let it flow out of me. Let my coworkers be dumbfounded by the way that I have changed my demeanor toward them because they're not holding me captive anymore. I've been set free 
and I can give forgiveness freely to them as well. Finally, verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Trust God to keep you loyal. Trust God to keep you loyal. Loyalty is faithfulness or fidelity towards someone or something, right? We understand the concept of loyalty in this place this morning, right? When you are loyal to someone, it means you are standing side by side with them. You will not leave them high and dry. You will not leave them to fight alone. I'm standing with you, not behind you, not in front of you. I am with you. And what does it say to you when you have a friend or a family member who remains loyal to you through difficult times? Can you feel that right now? Just think of a time when everyone else was turning their back on you. But you had one person, maybe a few, who said, I'm with you. I got you. I'm not going anywhere. Loyalty, that is loyalty. This verse right here, this, the closing of this prayer, is about how we are trusting God to keep us loyal to God. Here's how this works. <clears throat> Some of you have been married before or you are married now. I don't trust Steve, although I love Steve. I don't trust Steve to keep me loyal to my wife, Lindsay. I could trust him to help me with that. If, we need, if I needed some accountability, he'd be, he'd be happy to step next to me and say, I'll, I'll be with you, I'm loyal with you. But do you know who the main person is besides God who I trust to keep me loyal to Lindsay? It's Lindsay. This is a two-way street. When I remain loyal to her, I look to her and I see her loyalty. And her loyalty to me draws me into her. It draws me closer and closer. Don't worry, I'm not going to climb over. (laughs) When someone is loyal to us, it draws us in and helps us be loyal to them. We are in this prayer trusting God to be the one who keeps us loyal to him. How often do you feel overwhelmed in your life? Overwhelmed by temptation or by tests. You feel like God's testing you or he's tempting you too much. I think oftentimes we forget, we're forgetful to pray for this necessary aspect of our relationship with God. We're, forget, we're forgetful to pray that God would lead us not into temptation, but that he would deliver us from evil. Listen to um, this quote by Daniel Doriani, who writes on this subject. He said, the previous petition, talking about forgiving our debts, okay, that petition asks for release from the guilt and penalty of sin. Can I get an amen for anyone who's ever been released from the guilt or penalty of sin? Amen. Amen. That petition asked for the removal of the guilt or penalty of sin. This one seeks release from its power and corruption. You get the difference there? The first petition seeks for a release from the guilt of sin, the penalty, forgiveness. You are not guilty anymore. You are not condemned. There's no penalty of sin anymore. The penalty is not death. 
the reward is life. But this one, lead us not a temptation, but temptation, but deliver us from evil, that is re- seeking to release us from the power of sin and the corruption of sin. Because even though the penalty has been eased or taken away, and even though the guilt has been extinguished, sin still has power to corrupt. Can I get an amen? Sin still has power here on this earth. Receiving, think of it like this. I said uh, forgiveness is a gift, right? And you can't keep it. Receiving forgiveness is about receiving freedom. Oh, Lindsay said a moment ago, because, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on, first time in the new space. Some, you know, all of us are a little bit on edge. How's this going to go? She said in worship, everyone take a breath. That's what freedom feels like, right? Receiving freedom. It allows you to breathe. I'm free. Receiving forgiveness is about freedom. Tests and temptation are about loyalty. Receiving freedom, I mean, receiving forgiveness is about freedom. But the tests, the temptations that you and I face, they're about loyalty. Will I remain loyal to the one who freed me? Come on, right? God, I cannot remain loyal. So I pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. God, I can't. It's a beautiful declaration. I can't remain loyal on my own. This thing that you did is too great. It's too, it's too amazing for me to even comprehend, much less remain loyal to it. I can't remain loyal to this, God. So, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. This is not about asking for an easy, breezy life. We can't view it as that. We have tests and temptations. God talks about it all throughout Scripture, how we will face various trials and temptations, but they're for our good. They're for the producing of loyalty inside of us, for endurance. They're to help us. How many of you have ever been able to share with someone else what it's like going through something because you were on the other end of it and they were just starting it? Yeah. Hands up everywhere. Why? It's because... That's why God takes us through things. So we come out the other end and we can look at others when they're going through them and say, listen, trust in God. He is enough to get you through this. He will push you through it. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, lead them not into temptation. Deliver them from evil. This is a mighty declaration. We're declaring our loyalty to God and we're asking for him to be the one who keeps that loyalty. It's about trusting us, trusting God, to deliver us from the temptations that come looking for us so that we can remain loyal to him. God will give you what you need. God will give you what you need. God will give you what you need to face the tests and the temptations that come your way. But we cannot trust ourselves to keep ourselves loyal. We have to trust God. That's what this prayer is for. Depending on God starts in your prayer life. This prayer teaches us the essence of forgiveness. Don't put a lid on that forgiveness. It's not the forgiveness of God if you can cap it. It's something you've produced in yourself. And finally, trust God to keep us loyal. God, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, as we forgive our debtors. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a, sometimes when we read your word, it's just so plain and simple that we forget how deep and rich it is. So I pray that this morning you would you would have <clears throat> reminded us of how rich this prayer is. That Father, we need to depend on you in prayer. That that starts with us voicing our prayers of faith in you. We trust you and we love you. We ask that you would do mighty things in our hearts as we depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen.